0: Good morning. It's good to be with you here again this morning on our last Sabbath together. And you know, as we have gone through this entire series, I hope that there are a couple of very valuable points that you've recognized. Number one, that we need to maintain our focus on Jesus Christ. Number two, that when we maintain our focus on Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that by beholding, we become changed. And as we behold Jesus Christ and as our characters are formed into his likeness, then we will begin to reflect him to those around us. And many souls will be brought to the kingdom because of our lives. And that's my prayer for each one of us today. And I'd like for you to turn with me again, if you will, to James chapter 1. And let's look again at our scripture today. We're wanting to look at this chapter and and this few verses and to understand how these verses can relate to all that we've been talking about these past two and a half weeks. James chapter 1. And we want again look at verses 19 through 21. James chapter 1 verses 19 through 21. James says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, I want, you to, I want you to keep that in mind, but I'm going to take you back a few years, quite a few years. When I was first attending Pacific Union College, my goal there was to become a physical education teacher. But there was one slight problem that I had when I first started going to Pacific Union College, and that was that... I wanted to play really more than study. Now, there's probably no one here that's like that. You've all possibly gotten past that stage. But when I first got there, that was kind of what was going on in my life. And I remember I was looking for a job. I needed to get a job so I could have, um, you know, money for the essentials that I would need. And so I went into this uh, community work service office that they had. And they had jobs available for college students. So I went in and I, I sat down and I began talking with this lady. I said, I'm looking for some work, something that, you know, I can fit into my schedule. She said, I have the perfect job for you. She said, this will fit into almost anyone's schedule. And she said, it's at the bakery. I said, oh, okay, bakery, that sounds okay. And and she said, now, um, the job is four hours a day, but you'll be able to work that into your schedule. I said, okay, so what what time do I start? And she said, well, you start at four in the morning. I said, four o'clock in the morning? That's not morning. That's the middle of the night. I said, what other jobs do you have there? And so she began going through the jobs. And. There was another place that she said that would perhaps fit my schedule or my needs better. She said there's a, like a community services office, and she said students can go there and people in the community who have work for um, different individuals. She said they can you can go over there and work two hours for this person or three or four for this person, and they generally pay you quite well. So I, I thought, okay, th- this is good. This is good. So I, I went over, and, and this one lady needed some uh, a hillside to be cleared of some weeds and debris and things. I thought, oh, piece of cake. I went over, and I found out that the, the uh, weeds that were on the side of the hill were poison oak. And so after, uh, after I, I uh, did my job and cleared the whole side of uh, the hill with poison oak, um, I began noticing just a few days later that I was itching. And um, after my entire body was almost covered with poison oak, I decided that that perhaps wasn't the thing for me. And so then I moved on, and, and uh, then the last job that I had was uh, I worked at a nursery. And um, I don't know how many of you have ever done production work, but production work, assembly line work, is very boring. And you're doing the same thing over and over again. And I went into this nursery thinking that, well, this couldn't possibly be something like that. But in reality, it was. This nursery was the nursery that supplied all of the vineyards with their little baby vines when they first started. But I learned what grafting was all about. I I took the uh, they took the base vine that was supposed to be a stronger breed. You know, they were always trying to produce better grapes, stronger vines that would produce more. And so they would graft different vines together. And my job was to take this vine that had been cut down the middle, and then there was another vine that would be centered in between those two. And it had to be placed just right or the graft wouldn't take. So it was quite a tedious thing to make sure that it went right down in there. And then you would staple the two outer sections of the bottom vine together. And you would engraft those vines. You would connect two items together. And, you know, as I was looking at this text, I began to think about that last statement there in verse 21. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls you see in order for you and I to be saved into the kingdom of heaven I think we have to discover that there's something that has to take place within us there is something that has to go inside go on inside of our hearts you see in verse 21 James says that we are to lay apart all filthiness and superfluity now I don't know about you, but when I first read that word superfluity, I wondered, what in the world does that word mean? Superfluity means an excess, an oversupply. And then I like this part, something unnecessary. Now, isn't it wonderful to know that God is wanting you to eliminate from your life something that's unnecessary? So it's not something that you will miss if you give it up. It's not something that will cause you any loss If it's forgotten, it's something that's totally unnecessary in your life. And God says to lay aside, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. You see, God is calling us to give up something in order for you and I to obtain eternal salvation. Yes, it is going to cost something. We are going to have to give up the world. And he goes on and he says, and receive with meekness. The engrafted word. God wants for Jesus and us to be grafted together. He wants for us to be as one, as Peter spoke about last night. But I want us to take a little deeper look at these verses this morning. And I want us to go back up now to verse 19. And I want you to just think about verse 19 as we just read it and realize this. That if there were no Bible... If this was the only text in Scripture that God had given man, what a different place the home, the church, and the world would be if we simply followed this one verse. James says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. You know, there were some statistics that I heard years ago and I don't remember the exact numbers, but whenever there is a group of any size that has come together for a church service of any kind, there are statistics that say that that morning a certain portion of those people had an argument before they came to church. You don't, you don't have to raise your hands. But a certain portion of those people had a argument before they came to church. A certain portion of those people lashed out at someone that morning. A certain portion of those people, just before they got out of that car, they had a terrible argument or discussion. And then immediately, as soon as the doors were closed, the church face was put on and they came in. A certain portion of those people came in hurting because someone else was thoughtless and careless in the way they expressed themselves. So this morning as we sit here, I don't know who you are, but I know that you do. And I know that each one of us battles, each one of us, no matter what our walk of life, no matter how high we have attained on that spiritual ladder, we battle with the issue of self. And so now we look at today and we see that Paul is giving us some keys to how we can be more like Jesus. And the first one that he says is, let every man be swift to hear. You see, I think that we would recognize that life is built on relationships. And an important part of those relationships is obviously communication. It's very essential. In fact, some relationships are broken or made by communication alone. So when we think of these things, we recognize that communication obviously takes two things, listening and speaking. Not necessarily in that order. But, but there is a saying that says that God gave us two ears and he gave us one mouth, so maybe we should listen twice as much as we talk. Does that make sense? In fact, the story is told that a young man once came to Socrates and he was going to learn how to give a sermon. He was going to learn the power of oratory. And as he came and he was introduced to Socrates, almost immediately after the introduction, he began talking incessantly. Finally, after some time, Socrates immediately stuck his hand over the young man's mouth. And he said, young man, I'm going to have to charge you twice as much. And he said, why is that? And he said, because first I'm going to have to teach you how to hold your tongue. And then I'm going to have to teach you how to use it. Listening is a very important aspect of our relationships with each other. But it's even more important in our relationship with God. You see, in order for us to be good listeners for one another, we must be a good listener to God. In the world in which we live today, there are so many distractions the devil uses to try and draw us away so that we don't have time to listen to God. But I want you to understand that we must practice the art of listening to God as he speaks. You see, we live in a world where Christianity seems to be a powerless, a powerless form of godliness People claim to be Christians, yet there is no power in their lives. And we ask ourselves the question, what is missing? Could the fact be that we don't take the time to listen to God? We have not learned the art of listening for what our Savior wants to say to us. You see, God does still speak. But the question is, is does man listen? The Bible has given us some very good illustrations of listening. We all remember the story of Abraham that night when the voice of God spoke to him and said, Abraham, take thou thy son, thine only son Isaac, and offer him as a sacrifice. Now, my brothers and sisters, at this time in Abraham's life, believe me, if Abraham had not developed the art Of listening to God he would have never responded so quickly the Bible tells us that that morning as the dawn broke that Abraham was up the asses were saddled they had laid all the wood they taken all of the things necessary and they were on their way immediately you see Abraham responded immediately because he knew that voice do you know the voice of God this morning do you know when God is really trying to speak to you? Jesus said in John 10 17, my sheep hear my voice. Do you hear the voice of God? Remember the story of little Samuel when he was just a little boy? And the first couple of times he heard that voice, he didn't know what it was. He wasn't accustomed to hearing the voice of God, but he went to one who was and Eli said, my son, I believe God is trying to speak to you go back now and when you hear the voice again say speak Lord for thy servant heareth. Are you in a mode in your life today? Are you in a mode in your life today where you have practiced the art of listening to God where you know the voice of God when he speaks Or are you one of those who is all caught up in everything that's going on around you? You're living in the world of confusion just like everyone else. And you don't know what direction to turn, where to go, when to do it, or what is happening next. If you are one of those people, my friends, then I would suggest that you listen to the words of the psalmist when he said in Psalms 46 verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. Let's look at just a couple of texts. Psalms 81, verses 8 to 12. Let's say what the Bible says to us today about listening to God. Psalms 81, verses 8 through 12. Psalms 81, beginning in verse 8. The psalmist tells us, Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee, O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me. There shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. You see, there's two things that can happen. We can listen to the voice of God. We can gain experience in listening to that voice. And God can save us from many, many pitfalls along the way. But we can get caught up in our own world and we can fail to listen to God at all and continue on moving on in our life and not recognize when He's speaking to us. Look at one more verse, Proverbs 8 and verse 32. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 32. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 32. Again, the Bible tells us, Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. You see, if you're not listening to the voice of God, then you're probably not walking in the path that he wants you to walk. You're probably doing your own thing, following your own will, doing exactly what you want to do. Why? Because you cannot hear the voice of God. The story is told of two young men who were walking down the streets of New York City. One of them was an Indian who had come from outside the city. And as they were walking down the street, suddenly the Indian stopped and he said, do you hear it? And the other young man looked and he said, do I hear what? He said, do you hear the cricket? He said, the cricket? He said, what are you talking about? You don't hear a cricket? He said, there's buses going by, horns honking, cars blowing by us. There's all kinds of noise, people yelling up and down the street. And you're trying to tell me you hear a cricket? He says, wait, listen. And as they were standing by the corner, a few feet away was a tree and a planter. And the Indian young man walked over and he reached down into that planter and he pulled out the cricket. What are we listening for today? Are we listening for the voice of God, or has the commotion of the world around us caused us to just drift away? One of my favorite quotes from Inspiration says, we must individually hear him speaking to the heart. When every other voice is hushed and in quietness we wait before him, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. Be still and know that I am God.
1: Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that He is holy. Be still, O restless soul of mine. Bow before the Prince of Peace and let the noise and clamor cease. Be still and know that He is God. Be still and know that he is faithful. Consider all that he has done. Stand in awe and be amazed. And know that he will never change. Be still. Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is God. Be still. Be Be speechless. Be still and know that He is God. Be still and know He is our Father. Come rest your head upon His breast. Listen to the rhythm of His unfailing heart of love. Beating for His little ones, calling each of us to come, be still, be still.
0: Be still and know that I am God. The first and most important aspect of being swift to hear is to be still and know that God is God, that he is faithful, that he longs to guide you through the trials and struggles of life. Be swift to hear. We also must learn to be swift to hear others. You know, sometimes we get so caught up and we're so excited about what we have to say that before a person even finishes what they're trying to tell us, we begin saying our response. Have you ever done that? Maybe I'm the only one that's ever done that before. My wife had to kind of train me, actually, because, you know, sometimes we would get in a conversation together and she would begin telling me what it was she wanted to share. And of course, I being the all-knowing husband, I had it all figured out already, so I didn't need to hear the whole thing. And so I immediately began giving the response. And she said, you know, you have to listen. That's not what I was going to say. Oh, okay. We have to listen. Sometimes I think that we have selective hearing. I remember once when my little nephew was outside in the backyard. His mother walked up to the sliding glass door and she, she called out, Carl, it's time to come in now. Now, Carl was only 20 feet away and I was standing there and I, I recognized that it was plenty loud enough for him to hear, but Carl never even looked up. Just kept on doing what he was doing, swinging, playing on the swing set. And so she called out again, Carl... It's time to come in now. Not even an acknowledgement. Carl Martin, you get in this house right now. Well, suddenly he acknowledged his mother. But you see, sometimes when we're not listening correctly, we respond incorrectly. And Carl turned around and looked at his mother and said, I have a stick in my hands. Do you still want me to come in? And she said, yes, I do, and bring it with you. Now, I don't think I need to go on any further as to what happened next. Sometimes we have selective hearing. Sometimes we hear things only the way that we want to hear them. I read a story once about a gentleman who was trying to find something in the phone book and he was trying to find a number for something and it wasn't listed. And so he called information and maybe you've had this problem before. Um, You've called information and, you know, I've called information before and I've asked for a number for a certain city and they will um, tell me that there's no listing in that city and the city that they name is not the city that I named. And so then I, I say, no, no, I was saying this city. Well, this gentleman had a similar problem one day. He was calling information trying to find out about a publication called Theater Arts. And so he called information and he said, yes, I'm looking for a number for a business called Theater Arts. Do you have a listing for it? And there was a pause on the other end of the line and the operator said, no, I'm sorry, there's no one in this city by that name. He said, no, it's not a person. He said, it's a business. It's theater arts. And there was another pause on the line. And she said, sir, I said, there is no one in this city by that name. Now, maybe he lives in another city. And the man said, no, ma'am, you don't understand. I'm looking for a business, theater arts, T-H-E-A-T-R-E, arts. She said, sir. I know how to spell Theodore, and that is not how you spell Theodore. Do we listen when others speak to us? Do you know how many conflicts, how many confrontations could be avoided if we practiced the art of being a good listener? And once again, we have to recognize that unless we're listening to God, Unless we are listening to Him, we are not practicing the art of being a good listener. Because first we must hear the voice of God speaking to us. Then we are more polite, we are more courteous, we are more thoughtful as we engage in conversation and communication with others. Are we a good listener this morning? The Bible says, let every man be swift to hear. The next, next aspect of our text is, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Now, this is one where probably a lot of us have gotten in trouble before. And I want to share with you just a couple of texts. Look back at our verse in James chapter 1. Go back to James chapter 1 and let's look at verse 26 as we begin our thoughts on being slow to speak. James chapter 1 and verse 26 James continues on in his thought and he says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Now, the things, two things that I like about this text, number one, is he tells us that if we seem to be religious, and number two, he talks about deceiving our own hearts. And remember, in Proverbs, we're told that the heart is desperately wicked, And deceitful above all things. Who can know it? And you see, if we're not listening to God, then we're deceiving ourselves because we think that we're religious when we're not. Because you see, being a spiritual person encompasses more than just coming to church every week, paying our tithe and maybe going on a mission trip once in a while. It encompasses a transformation in your life and your character. It encompasses all of a sudden when someone talks to you who talked to you 10 years ago, they recognize that you're a different person. Something has changed. There's something different about you now. Let every man be slow to speak. Let's look at a few texts on the tongue for a moment. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. Paul speaking to us here. In Colossians 4, 6, he says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Now, I know that all of us have come in contact with those people who have this sharp edge in their voice. You know, and seems like a lot of times you come in contact with them, and it's in some little business. Have you ever noticed that? You you come into this into this business, and you're you're looking to to purchase something, or you need help to find an item, and, and you walk up to them, and you say, you know, I, I was looking for this. Could you help me find it? It's over on aisle twelve C on the left side. And you say to yourself, oh, sorry, I bothered you. I mean, I didn't mean to come into your store today. You know, and sometimes people will say things and we want to respond immediately. You know, Peter mentioned that to us earlier in the, in the week. Someone will say something to us that's not really something we want to hear. And immediately we want to get the upper hand and we want to come back with one of those good comebacks where we'll just kind of cut them down. But the reason the Bible says to be slow to speak is so that you can listen to God before you respond. And I don't know about you, but I found that in my own life, dealing with my own children, dealing with people that I work with, dealing with my wife, whatever circumstance it may be in, I have found that when I am slow to speak and I do listen to God before I respond, the outcome is so much better. I can think of times with my children where I've been in a dispute with one of my kids, you know, and we've been arguing. And, and I get to that point where I go, okay, I'm the father. This is what we're doing. And so the response is all of a sudden the defense goes up. The wall goes up. And they want to now defend themselves. And the argument begins. And you know, it seems that when arguments begin and each person is always trying to get the last word, they never end on a calm note. They keep escalating and escalating until people are almost yelling and finally somebody is so angry, so upset that they walk away. I remember being told about a little church one time, they were having a board meeting And this type of a situation began and two men were arguing back and forth in a Christian board meeting. And the argument kept getting more and more elevated until finally one of the men had lost his anger to the point that he hauled off and punched the other one right in the face. In a Christian board meeting. Let every man be slow to speak. Turn with me as we look at what the wisest man in the world has to say. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 20. Excuse me, Proverbs eighteen twenty-one. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. Listen to the power of this statement given to us by Solomon. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Solomon says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Do you know that in the world that we live there are literally thousands upon thousands of people who have mental damage because of the way that they were spoken to as they were growing up in the home. They've got all of these problems, all of this baggage that they carry with them because they were verbally abused as they were growing up. Do you know that verbal abuse can be worse than physical abuse? People can say things to us that can cut through to the very heart. And we would rather have them punch us in the face. We would rather have them whip us with whips than to say some of the words that they can say that are so cutting. And the bad thing about words is that once you let them go, you can't ever get them back. And the damage that they do is only determined by the person that received them. Words are very powerful. And that's why this text is so important as we look at the aspect of transformation of character. Because when Jesus Christ really begins to take a hold of our lives, when we and Christ are engrafted together, when we are joined together, then our lives, our words, our actions, everything that we do begins to reflect Him. And it is shown in the way that we speak, in the way that we listen, in the way that we communicate one with another. Let every man be slow to speak. Look at another text in, in Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15 and verse 4, just a few chapters back. The Bible says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Brothers and sisters, our words have power. If you want to have power in your life, then let your words be a blessing to all those that you come around. Look over at Proverbs 21 and verse 23. Proverbs 21 and verse 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. (laughs) Now we should all be able to recognize that because if we're able to control our tongue, think about the last time that you were almost in an argument with someone. But rather than lash out and respond harshly to them, you kept silent. And you breathed not a word. Then all of a sudden, the whole tone of the communication calmed down. The spirit calmed and the atmosphere around was more calm and peaceful. And merely because you stopped and listened to God... An argument didn't continue on. Feelings weren't hurt. Hearts weren't scarred. It's very important that we learn to listen to God and be slow to speak. When we learn to be slow to speak, it means that we are learning to listen to God first. We all know that famous saying, be sure the brain is in gear before the tongue is engaged. Well, we need to make sure that we have stopped long enough to listen before we speak. Let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. And then he goes on and he adds one more thing to that. He says, and slow to anger. You know, as I was growing up as a young man, I I didn't recognize that I had a bad temper. And my sister, when I was in my mid-twenties, my older sister was teasing me one day about how I used to get so mad sometimes. My face would turn so red and I would I would grip my teeth and I'd be so angry. And then I looked back on those times when she was bringing this up. And I remembered once that I was staying at her house and, and I was doing dishes and everything. And she called me Hortense because I was her slave, she said. And I remember she was teasing me one day and, and I looked back and, you know, I, I got a vivid picture of what she was saying. I looked back to that day when she was teasing me about something and I was so angry. And I don't know if, if, if I'd have been bigger than her, if I would have walked up and just bopped her one or what. But I recognized that, that I had a temper. And, you know, some of the things that we get, unfortunately, they are inherited. And some of the things we get are cultivated. But it's really bad when we cultivate an inherited tendency. And you know, we have to recognize, we have to examine ourselves, my friends. Jesus calls us to examine ourselves. And really, that's what this is all about. You see, for us to come together for two and a half weeks and to spend time in the Word of God, looking at the character of God, examining His Word and how He wants us to be, It's all for naught if we're not willing to examine ourselves. And most of the time when when I preach, I'm calling for individuals to examine themselves. It's very easy to sit and look at your wife or or your kids or or your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever's next to you and, and point out the flaws in their characters. We're all very good at that. But it's very hard When we have to humble ourselves and examine ourselves and really see what our flaw of character is. So these three aspects that James is speaking to us, he's trying to tell us that if you are really claiming to be a religious person, if you're really claiming to be a man or a woman of God, then these aspects of your character and your life will show evidence that you have been transformed by the master designer. He says, be slow to anger. Look in Proverbs again at chapter 14 and verse 17. You know, the thing I like about Solomon is that Solomon could encapsulate gigantic statements in one little phrase. Proverbs 14 and verse 17. This is what he says about anger. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. Have we all seen that before? Have we all seen how anger can embarrass us in front of other people? I remember standing in an airport one time and we were waiting to get on the plane and everybody was just kind of standing around and there was a family, a man and his wife and a little boy, a little three-year-old boy perhaps. And the little boy was just running circles around the man and woman and the post that they were leaning next to. And he was running around and just having a good time, wasn't bothering anybody. And all of a sudden his father reached down and grabbed that little boy by the arm and started cursing at this little boy and telling him to stop doing that. You see, he lost his temper. And all of those suddenly around, everyone suddenly stopped. And they were the center stage. And this man embarrassed himself. Because all of us that had been watching this little boy were just thinking, what, what things little children will do to entertain themselves and, and to, to just make sure they're occupied. And yet this man lost his temper. He became angry and lashed out at that little child who had not a clue that he was doing anything wrong. I think Solomon speaks very very prominently here when he says, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. Look at another one over in verse chapter 21, verse 19. Now, ladies, don't take offense at this one, but it's something to think about. Proverbs 21, verse 19 says, It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. Now, that can work both ways, I believe. But I think it's interesting that people would rather be out in the middle of nowhere by themselves lost than to be around someone who is displaying anger. And last, I want you to look at Colossians 3, verse 8 through 10. Colossians chapter 3 verses 8 through 10. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. Paul has already been telling us the things that we don't do anymore, supposedly because we have now become Christians. And now in verse 8 he says, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, Malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You see, Paul is trying to tell us today, my friends, that there are areas of our lives that are a definite evidence of who really lives in our hearts. There are areas of our life that are a definite evidence as to whether or not we have really been engrafted to the vine, Jesus Christ. And this morning, this morning as we come to a conclusion, I I want to share one more song with you, but I want us to recognize as we close, I want us to recognize that without God this morning, we are weak. We are incapable of overcoming these attributes of our character. But Jesus has said that he wants to come in and abide within us. Jesus has said that he wants to come in and transform our lives so that we will be a reflection of his character. But Jesus wants us to first recognize that we are weak. And as he told Paul in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, he says... For my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for thee. You see, I recognize that the road is long. I recognize that the battle is hard. Jesus wants you and I to recognize that he does too. The Bible tells us that we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the infirmities as we are. Jesus knows what we go through. Jesus knows the areas of our character that we're trying to refine. Jesus knows that we want to give those things to Him, but sometimes we don't even know how. And I hope that as you listen to these, the words of this last song, that you will recognize for yourself that God is just saying, My child, my child, just, just reach up and grasp hold of the power of infinity. Let me be the one who speaks through you. Take the time, be still and know that I am God and listen to my voice. And as you listen to my voice, more and more you will speak my words. And your words will be words of life, not death. Your life will be a a life that is a reflection of love and understanding So listen now to this last song. And if you are struggling with an area in your life, then I want you to say the words of this song in your heart as you hear them. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on and help me stand. Lord, I'm tired, I'm weak, I am worn. But Jesus says, come on, take my hand. Listen now.
1: Precious Lord take my hand lead me on help me stand Lord I'm tired I am I'm so unworthy, Lord. And I wander far from you. I wander from you. But I need your love to make my shine for Thee always shine for Thee when my way grows drear precious Lord linger near when my life fold, take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home, precious Lord.
0: bow our heads as we close. Loving Father in heaven, today if we have looked at one simple verse, but Lord, we see how much that one verse says to us today. And Lord, I know that each one recognizes that it's character reformation that you're looking for. Lord, help us to recognize today that our characters are the only thing that will be taking to heaven with us. And Lord, we pray today that if there is someone in this room and Lord, each one of us has our own dark corner. Each one of us has that dark spot, Lord, that we know in our hearts must be surrendered. We come to you today, Lord, and we pray. We say, Lord, Savior, take this from me today. Cleanse my heart and my life and make me a new creature. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name and for His sake, amen.